Good morning, Church. We're so glad to see you. Wait, can you see us? Uh, um, when you're not, when it's your first time, um, you sign it, and then if you've been here like the 100th time, you don't. <laughs> if this is your first time here, um, please fill out the connect card, and that would be awesome. Even though you've been here a million times, still fill it out. But what do you do with that um, when you're done? I know. You can drop it off in the offering box when you're done with your day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, if you want to give this morning, um, here's a few ways you can do it. You can drop it off in the offering box or even do it online. You can also text in church. <laughs> I love serving others in need. And one of the ways you can do that is by joining us on Saturday, May 20th for just one lunch. We are going to be packing one million lunches for people in need. Do you guys know what the Global Leadership Summit is? Hmm? What? What? Are you I didn't hear you. What? We are Global Leadership, leadership Summit. 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 Semi. Global Leadership Summit. Do you want to become a better leader? Come to the leader. <laughs> <laughs> no. Global Summit. It's on August 10th and 11th, and it's a conference you don't want to miss. My favorite part of Summer Challenge is soccer. My favorite part of Summer Challenge is dancing. And my favorite part is seeing my mom get pat in the face like this. In the summer. <laughs> summer Challenge is almost here, so sign up today. so late, sweetie. Sorry, Dad. Got a lot of work to do here. Do you have any idea how many things Mom does when nobody sees? No, but I bet you're about to tell me. There are fairies who follow Moms around everywhere they go. I was not aware of this. They keep track of all the things Moms do. The things we see and we don't see. And wouldn't you believe it? The fairies kind of look like Uncle Bob. Really? <laughs> I don't mean to typecast, but Bob, he doesn't strike me as fairy material. Come sit, and I'll tell you all about it. Great. I want to hear more about Bob the fairy. Once upon a time, there was a fairy named Bob. But he had much cooler ears than Uncle Bob. How much cooler? Trust me, I'm a fairy expert. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha
I'm gonna like this story. Oh, I bet you are. Ooh, watch out glitter bubbles and little pink wings. That's a great idea. <laughs> you see, Bob the Fairy sees when Mom goes to the 24-hour store. When someone forgets to mention, she needs a costume made for the school play the next morning. And that someone's me. Speaking of costumes, I think Bob needs a tutu. Come on! When no one is looking, Mom makes super special birthday cakes. I bet that icing's gonna give Bob a sugar crash. <laughs> okay, my turn. Did you know that Mom takes care of you even when she's sick? Mom sure is brave. Yeah. And when you forget your lunch, she even yep. goes back to get it when she's running late. And at the end of the day, moms do some of their best work when no one is around to watch them. You know what? God sure blessed you when he gave you your mommy. Yes, he did, Dad. Now keep writing. We have a lot of work to do. I stood up all night. Thank you. <laughs> well, hey, happy Mother's Day. Yeah, come on. That's good. Everyone's like, where's the tissues? Come on. Man, so excited you are here. And I know, you know, Mother's Day falls all over the place for different people. It brings up all sorts of emotions. And wherever you are on that spectrum today, just know that uh, we love you. God loves you, sees you, sees all that, you know, all, all that's in your past and all that's in your future. Um, and, and it's a good day that we can celebrate uh, the fact that we're in families, uh, whether regardless of our roles. And, uh, you know, for, for me, 
uh, perhaps if, if you're like me, you just know this one thing about being a family, it's just, it's just not easy, right? It's whether, whether or not you're a parent or whether you're just in a family, wherever you're at, it's just, it's, it can be a very difficult thing at times. Um, but there's a really a range of emotions when it comes to uh, being a mom that you might be able to find yourself in. Maybe you might find yourself in one of these here. And so the first one, perhaps you're just the, a good old like. If, if, if you respond to a child falling down, like, it looks fine. It looks like you'll be fine. Let's just put a Band-Aid on it and you can keep playing, right? You just, oh, you're good. I'll just keep it going. No big deal. Maybe you're like a, a love. Maybe your mom's like a, a love. And she, it's like, here, let mommy kiss it and hug you until you forget it ever happened. You know, just like bring him up on, this, on the lap and hug him until it's all done. Maybe if your kid falls down, you're like the type of person that goes, ah, just rub some dirt in it and walk it off. You'll be fine. You know, this would be one of those deals. Or maybe you just, maybe you have respond really heightened. And you go, oh my goodness, let's call 911 before you bleed out. Come on. Or maybe, uh, this is my favorite, maybe, did, did you get blood on those new pants that I just bought you? Like, and it, certainly we find ourselves in all ranges of emotions, but we know that the one thing we know for all over the place is that, man, this can be pretty difficult work that God's put us um, in families like this. And so over the last number of years, as, as Connie and I, we, as we've just engaged with being uh, parents and, and done that, I've, I've, I've considered often uh, what the Bible says regarding just being a dad or being a mom or just being a parent of, of any sort, but really just how to have a thriving uh, family. It's something that I, I actually consider quite a bit and ask God that he would just wire my heart in a way as I follow him, that he would wire my heart in a way that, I, that we could see just long-term faithfulness on behalf um, of the way that we parent. And so today what I wanted to do is just give you six quick thoughts about what it's like to have a thriving family. Uh, six quick thoughts of what it's like to have a thriving family because you, regardless of whether you're, you could be doing this by yourself today, you could be doing it with a, with a partner of any sort, but, but you could find yourself in, in a big situation where you're like, okay, God, what do you want me to do here? How do you want me to do this so that this family looks like you, so that this family can progress towards you, so that this family becomes followers of Christ. And so just six quick thoughts today on how to have a thriving family. And the first one that I think you need to do, if you, ha- if you want a thriving family, the first thing you need to do is to consider the next six generations. Consider the next six generations, and you're like, um, we had a hard time getting to church this morning. What do you mean the next six generations? What are you talking about? And, and this is something I've said often since even as I started here as the pastor, is that I pray that God would give us not just a vision for our kids to follow Jesus, although that's good and right, and we should plead uh, to God for the hearts of our children, and we should pursue our kids and love them like Jesus loved them. I pray, though, that God would give us a vision for, the, for our grandkids' grandkids. That's the type of vision that I pray that God gives us as dads and as moms so that we could have thriving uh, families and and so there's a there's a, a old preacher Jonathan Edwards. He used to spend time in prayer, like five, like an hour a day, praying for the five generations that would come after him, saying, you know what, God, I pray uh, that you would be be able to see uh, that we'd be able to see faithfulness in the Edwards family, uh, not just for my grandkids, but for my grandkids grandkids. And that's really the, uh, an understanding that that you have to start to ask yourself to say this. Um, uh, what do I want, not my grandkids, but what do I want my grandkids' grandkids saying about the way that I led my family? 
What, what do I want my grandkids, grandkids talking about in the way that I love, that, that, we, that we love them? What, what we like, because we all know this, like grand, grandkids, they love the grandparents, don't they? They just love them. And, and, and it's, it's that type of concept. And you can see uh, Proverbs talks about this concept where he says, grandchildren are the crowns of the aged and the glory of children is their fathers. And so you always see this like sixth generation, at least a three generation, but almost a sixth generation idea um, talked about in the Bible often. And so you, it's almost like this, this thing here is like, man, I love my kids, but this proverb almost seems to suggest that the way I feel about my grandkids will be even better. And I know why. It's because you get to send them home at the end of the night, right? You just get to go home after this. That's what, this proverb is very true, right? You get to go home after this. And it's, uh, it's that idea. But, but this is often what I say is, is that God would give us, and God would give our church the idea that we could see our grandkids, grandkids still following after Christ, and that, that he would allow us the grace to lead our families in a way um, that sees this work itself out. And so the first thing I think you got to do, you got to get, because we, we're a culture, man. We, we want like the microwave type of dinner. We want something to happen. We want like four-day turnarounds, you know. But this vision, this is a 60-year a vision that God has to give you for your family. A 60-year vision. And, and if with this type of idea, that's not like, hey, next week this is going to look like this. Hey, in a month this is going to look like this. No, 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 no. When you're raising your children in the ways of God, it's this idea that you are raising them for the next 60 years in a way that structures them, in a way that engages with them, to say, I want my grandkids, grandkids, to speak about God in the way that we're doing today. And I pray that, that God grants us that as, as families. I pray that he does. And so the first thing you gotta do, if you wanna raise your kids um, in, in a way that, that the Bible says that, that, that is gonna thrive, the first thing you got to do is to think six generations down the road. The second thing you got to do is you have to repeat the gospel to them. You have to repeat the gospel to them. And this is what Deuteronomy chapter 6 talks about. This is God talking to the nation of Israel while they're still in Egypt, or while, while they're, uh, they're, they're out of Egypt, they've come out of Egypt. Um, but he's talking about this idea here where he says, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you are on the road, when you are going to bed and when you're getting up. Now look, that last sentence, there's nothing about that sentence that's Pinterest worthy, is there? Come on, like, right? like, like there's nothing Instagram worthy about getting up and going to bed, although you have people that overshare that idea all the time, right? But you have this, there's, this is the most normal sentence probably ever. Just talk about this when you're getting up and when you're going to bed. Talk about this stuff at dinner time. Talk about this stuff when you're going from one place to the next. Just talk about it. And it doesn't have to be like you're like, oh, but you're a pastor, and I'm sure the Spirit descends upon your dinners in ways that it doesn't happen in other families, right? No, no, no you know, it's awkward for us too, man. Like, so you're sitting down having dinner, and you're like, hey, how's it going? Good. All right, sweet. Thanks. Let's go on to the next kid. I guess, you know, like, hey, what do you think, of, what do you think about God? What do you think about? Nothing. All right, sweet, man. Cool. I'm glad, you know, glad we had this talk. You know, that's kind of like how it works, right? Like, there's nothing 
simple or special about that. But the idea is that God's saying, just make this normal. Just make it normal. Don't, it doesn't, the fireworks have to go off every time you talk about the things of God with your kids. Odds are they won't. And if they do, you got bigger problems if fireworks are going off in your house right now. You're like, no, it, all it is is just make it normal. Make it normal. Parents, it's going to be awkward when you first start to do this. Your kids are going to be like, why are we doing this again? Well, because, because we want to read together. We need to do this together. Dinner times are the perfect time to do that. Dinner times. Going in the car, just find, find a, you know, there's, there's some great worship CDs that, 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 that find their way onto Spotify all the time. Just get onto that one and, and let them listen to that sort of thing. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a, that type of normality is that type of normality that, that you can find your kids just doing that sort of thing. I just started this thing with Channing where I said, Channing's my four-year-old. I said, Channing, who created you? And he says, God created me. And, and sometimes he says, I don't know, but we're still working on it. It's still new, right? But so who created me? God created me. And how did he create you? He created me good. He created me good because I want my kid to know that there's a God that doesn't hate him. Right? There's this God doesn't hate him. He created him. He crafted him. And, he, and there's stuff in him that he loves and he's pursuing him. So, God, Channing, how did God create you? He created me good. You know, so we have to repeat the gospel. But one of the biggest things that we have to do for our kids is model the gospel, I think. So, whether, you are, whether you're a kid to your parents or are your parents to your kids, modeling the gospel and saying, just, just try this apologize to your children. Try apologizing to your children. I think sometimes we can justify ourselves as parents to say, I don't need to apologize to my little eight-year-old, you know, like, they, whatever. Like, it was tough apologizing to my 12-year-old at one point. He thinks I do everything wrong as it is, and, and yet here I am trying to apologize to him to make sure that, that he understands that when you do something wrong, it's good to apologize. And just because I'm dad doesn't mean that I'm over here thinking I'm perfect, because what the gospel invites us is that it's okay to not be okay. And it's okay to own our junk, to apologize what we need to apologize for, and then grace and sanctification will allow us to grow to become more like him. It's okay to say, hey, man, I'm sorry. I reacted too quickly there. I, put you, I threw you under the bus. I grounded you for the week. I made you stay in your room and I didn't need to, whatever. Like, hey, I'm so sorry that this happened. Will you forgive me? Oh, man, that's awkward. <laughs> that's weird. But I believe what it's doing, it's, it's setting a model for Jaden, it's setting a model for your kids, maybe setting a maybe doing it for your parents and saying, hey, I am just going to model the gospel here because I believe that asking for, uh, apologizing and asking for forgiveness is just as much, just as important as anything else. And so modeling it is its own thing. As much as you repeat it, you can teach it to your kids, teach it to your kids, but if you model it one time, I believe that it will take care of uh, many years worth of, of teaching for them. I think they'll remember that a lot. And so you gotta repeat that. You gotta get the gospel, get the, get the idea that Jesus died, loves them, pursued them, and is fighting for their heart. Get that in the midst of who you are, in your dinner table, is that your, in your car, is it, it's just a normal part of your day. Just make it a part of your life. And it's boring sometimes, and it's, it's not spark, there's no sparks that go off, but I believe God is honored when we give him the margins of our life, when we give him the normal routines and say, God, this is yours. This is yours. And so you consider six generations. Repeat the gospel. Number three, what you need to be doing is notice the unusual. Notice the unusual. 
And this is, what, this is this cool little verse right in Hebrews chapter 11 about Moses, uh, a, a story from the Old Testament, but it's a really cool story. It says this in Hebrews 11, it was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child and they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. Like, okay, so in this verse, like the first part, unusual, that's, that's, you don't have to tell anyone to do that, right? Like everyone believes they got the most unique kid in the world, right? And it's kind of its, its own thing. You're like, oh, my kid is the best kid. I, yeah, I, yeah, we know that. Everyone believes that, right? Most unusual thing. But here, they believed in, this, in, in, in noticing the unusual so much that they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. In, the, in a day and age when the ruler of the nation was killing the firstborn son so that he is nation so that his nation wasn't impeded upon he wanted to make sure no one no one was growing they were killing everybody all these firstborn kids and they were saying not this one not this one and so what his mom does eventually weans him for three or four months make sure he gets strong and healthy creates a basket for him then sends him down the nile river and you're like, this is in the Bible? Like, call DCYF immediately. What do you mean? Like, like, you're throwing him down the river. Think about the amount of faith that Moses' mom needed to have to build a basket and send him down a river. And eventually, he gets picked up by Pharaoh's wife, the, the leader of Egypt. And Pharaoh's wife raises him as her own. So that years down the road, God will be able to use Moses to lead the nation of Israel out of Egypt. God established a 40-year plan that Moses' mom needed to have faith in and sending her kid down the road, down the river, not knowing if anyone was going to find him. That's big faith. That God had a plan to literally free an entire nation from bondage. And it starts with a mom building a basket and sending him down the river. What will it take for us to have faith that when our kids need to go down the river, sometimes they go down the river too fast and sometimes we're trying to kick them down the river, right? We're trying to get down the river a little bit faster. But what kind of faith will it take that say, hey, you know what? I don't know where you're gonna end up, but I did everything in my best power. I did everything that I could but I gotta put you in the basket and I gotta send you down the river and pray that God will have grace to connect you to the things and the plans that he has made for you. That's faith. And so noticing the unusual is big. This is what Ephesians chapter uh, two talks about when it starts talking about, uh, when it starts talking about this concept. It says that God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done, so none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So he planned for us long ago. So there's something that in your, in your kid's life, there's something in your family that there was creation, that there was thought, there was intention, there was plans long ago. And our job is to make sure that we're lining up for that. So you notice the unusual, and that leads us right into number four, which is to uh, discern God's direction. 
to discern God's direction. I love this verse. This, this verse that comes up is about Mary, Jesus' mother. And Jesus' mom is, is, is noticing all these things, noticing the unusual in Jesus. Can you imagine like, noticing all the unusual in Jesus? Like that first few years is probably a lot. Like you got people coming out of nowhere bringing us gifts. That's cool. But you have all, this things hap- all these things happen. And this is what Mary says. The shepherds come. They visit Jesus. And, and then they go and they tell everybody about Jesus. And, he's, and this is what she says. All who heard shepherds, the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. Like, oh, isn't that the best verse about mo- uh, motherhood there is? Because what, what, what you do as moms, as parents or whatever, you're just watching all of this data come in. And you're like, oh, your heart's like blooming and blossoming. And at the same time, you're like, uh, why do you do that? But, it, you know, but it's cool. But, you know, you have all this stuff that's going on. And you just, what it says about Mary is that she just ponders them. That verse thought, that, that word thought about them, it's the idea that you're conferring and discerning and considering. It's not just like, oh, cool, I remember that memory. It's you sit there and you discern and you confer and you decide and you say, okay, God, what is your plan for this kid? Can you imagine like Mary? Mary's like, what is your plan for this kid? And for us, like, what is your plans for our children? What is your plan for our family? What is your plan for any of this? And our job as leaders of families is to make sure that our kids, make sure our families are lining up with what God created for them to do long ago. We gotta discern, God, what is your plan here? What is your designation? And put them together with that. And so you have to discern, the, discern uh, notice the unusual, discern God's direction. Number five, we have to train them in the way that they should go. I love this verse. This verse is awesome. Proverbs chapter 22, it says that, train up a child in a way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Like we, we, we've probably, a good chance that everyone's heard this verse before. I love this one because like every time I bring my boys to Red Sox games, I'm like, train a child in a way that he should go. Praising God that he will not depart from it when he is older. Every time we go to Gillette, I say, train a child in the way that he should go. Hopefully he will not depart from just this awesome, number one greatest team of all time, right? It's just a kind of like that sort of thing. Train a child in the way that he should go. But, but a lot of times what we do is we use this verse as a way we should train him in the way we think he should go. This is my plan for him. And what we end up doing is we end up cheering for our kids' last names more than we cheer for their first names. Just don't screw up our last name figure. Hey, you're a Lemoy. Lemoys act like this. No, no, no. What if you could cheer for their first name? Hey, you got it, buddy. I don't worry about you embarrassing me. I don't worry about you embarrassing anything. Just grow. Go do it. And setting them off into it. This is Ephesians chapter two. That he, Ephesians chapter two says that our kids, that all people, whose masterpiece are they? They're God's man. He has plans for them set way before you ever thought about it. And our job is to make sure we're lining them up with that. And so train up a child in the way he should go. If you go back to that verse in Proverbs, it says that in the way that he should go, that phrase, in the way he should go, literally means in the Hebrew, 
according to his own way. Now, that, that's weird because you think, no, 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 my kid doesn't run the show. I run the show, right? And you're like, praise God, amen. That's right. According to his own way means whatever the way is that God created within them, it's our job as parents, our job as, as leaders to make sure that we are getting them, are training them according to that way. Whatever's within them, we're making sure we help flourish that. And so we're saying, God, what it, we have to notice the unusual. God, how did you create my kid? God, how did you create this person? Then we have to discern God's direction. Okay, how did you create that? We noticed your natural strengths. We're seeing your natural weaknesses. We're seeing what you love. We're seeing what you hate. We're seeing if you're extroverted. Seeing if you're introverted. We're trying to get you to rest. We're trying to get you to joy, get joy. We're trying to get you to, you know, get a couple trophies here and there. Thank God they give participation trophies now. You know, all that sort of, we're trying to get you all of that sort of thing. We've got to discern God's direction for you. But then we ha- what we have to do is train them according to the way God created them to be. Man, there's nothing that takes more faith in the world, is there? You're like, okay, God, I'm going to send them down the river now. And when our kids start to, to wax and wane and they start to hit that 18, 19, 20-year-old age and all of a sudden they know everything, right? I've been there. My parents are right here. You can ask them. They gave them lots of grace. They gave me lots of grace to go through that season. Like you just all of a sudden know everything. Wow, okay, cool. Great. Go ahead. Go ahead and do it. And when your kid starts to wax and win, and you got to send them down the river to know that this plan is God's plan, this could be a 40-year purpose, this could be something that sets in stone, something that we don't even see. And what we have to do as parents is make the basket, send it down the river, and train them according to their way. And lastly, what we do In order to have a thriving family, the Bible talks about guarding this deposit. Guarding this deposit. 2 Timothy, uh, the verse says this. I remember, this is Paul talking to a a student of his, uh, uh, Timothy, and he's saying to, Timothy's leading this church, and so he's trying to encourage him in the faith, and he says, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. I love about that verse, that real fast, is that there's nothing better. There might be nothing more powerful than the power of a praying mother. And if your kid is all over the place right now, just to keep praying. Keep praying. There's power in a praying mom. It says, and I know that same faith continues strong in you. So you see, again, there's three generations here. Through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. So whether you are a kid in here today or you're a parent, what Paul's talking about, he's talking about the, the, that the gospel is almost like this special and precious gift. And we have to guard our hearts, guard our minds so that we can be uh, guarding what God entrusted us with. This concept of guarding, you have to, when you guard what, is God has been, what God has entrusted you with, you're almost naturally stepping into this idea of honoring. Say, God gave me something through my parents, and I have to guard it. Guard the deposit. Let it grow. We should flourish in our faith. We should flourish in all that we do. 
because God, God is constantly giving us this concept, this, this, this special thing that, that we've been entrusted with. You'll naturally step into this concept of honoring, and, and honoring your mother and father, when the Bible talks about that, literally at some point says you, you aren't well because you aren't honoring your father and mother. And so naturally, we should be considering ways of which we could honor them. And, and so I say this to Jaden all the time. When whoever you are dating uh, eventually will marry, I'm going to say this to them. How you treat your, you should be watching how Jaden treats his mom. Because how Jaden treats his mom will eventually lead to how you will be treated in your marriage. And I want that for them because honoring, uh, honoring their mother at that point will teach them how to, how, to, how to take care of and honor the woman in his life. And so this concept, the things of the Bible, the things that God has trained us with, done all that stuff, it should be guarded and spoken for and grown in and we should consider it and all that sort of thing. So whether you're a kid in here today, you need to work on that honoring thing or you're a parent and you need to really work on entrusting the gospel to your kids. He talks about this thing as a thing to be guarded. as The gospel being something that's precious. And join. And as we begin to do this process, as we begin to consider six generations, as we begin to dis- decipher the, uh, notice the unusual, as we begin to, to see and discern God's direction, and as we train them in that way, we should guard this process in a way that leads to God's glory and our joy. I, I, I'm like, I'm excited out of my mind for some sort of idea like this. Because for our church to consider six generations is not something that can happen tomorrow. You can't make time go any faster, right? And so for you to consider six generations is literally a 40, a 50, a 60-year vision for what it's like to be faithful, what it's like to be faithful to God. I can't wait. One day, uh, Lord willing, I'm still here, and we have our first grandkids, grandkids. I, like, I, like, I hope there's some way that we can figure out if there is a sixth generation through the work of our church or through the, the person that joins. I, I'll bring them up on stage and I'll introduce them. This is our first one. This is our first one. This is our first grandkids, grandkid that loves and follows Jesus, that is teaching his kids in the same way. That is, that, is, that is asking God to pursue his kids. This is our first one. Because I want for us an idea that, the, the, that the, the concept of following Jesus is not something that happens overnight, but it becomes so normal, becomes so natural in our hearts that what comes out of us is just discipleship. And it's so true for our kids. And I pray that. I pray that God will allow us to sit content in that I mean, so we're so anxious sometimes to make sure these things happen, to make sure these things get up off the ground, that he allows us to just sit in content, be appreciative of what he's given us, and allow us to see our grandkids' grandkids follow Jesus. Amen? Amen. Well, there's a, a video we're going to show you today, and, and then we're going to actually be able to walk through a few families this morning as they start this journey with their children and dedicate them to the Lord. So here we go.